Today we are sitting down with San Jose rap artist Michael Elias. Be sure to check out his new hit single, Fall Time. And with that being said, let's jump into the episode. And we are live. I just want to thank you so much, Michael Elias, for um, jumping on here. Welcome. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. This is going to be the big question that starts off this entire episode. Okay. And it is, when you look at the music that you made in the beginning of your journey, Mm -hmm. and then you look at the music that you've made now, what have you seen? What has your journey brought you to? What have you seen that has changed for the better, for worse? How do you perceive your growth in music? So not to be a little juvenile in my references, but you remember that episode of Spongebob where uh, Squidward is trying to teach a sculpting class and he's telling uh, the class to like imagine what this block, this unshapen block, this just rectangle of a block is going to be. That's what he's telling. He's telling the class. The reason I bring that up is because the way that I perceive my music right now is I've always saw something there. There was always something in the block. I actually went through this short period of time, uh, uh, actually within the last week of listening to a lot of my old music. I do that periodically because I like to sit down, reflect, and my music is a lot for me as it is for anyone else who's listening. Like I write music to, to kind of speak to myself in the, the journeys and everything that I've gone through, the lessons that I've learned. So I see with songs that I've made back in like 2013, there was talent there, like a crazy amount of talent for someone who just started rapping, for someone who was just starting to pick up the pen and start like kind of crafting his own way. And now the block is starting to take form. I'm starting to chisel off stuff. And you hear a lot of my more recent stuff. Everything is more refined. Everything is more, um, I don't want to say formulaic, but I have my own lane of doing things, my own methodology in my writing. And that's kind of how, If it, I don't know if that answers your question adequately, but I, I think that that's how I perceive my music. So you you've always had this talent and you can feel it when you go back. There's something really powerful and special in your music. Yeah. But now that you have been been getting better and progressing with your talent on logic and just cleaning up your audio and creating tracks that just sound honestly, your tracks are becoming amazing. I don't know. That's actually something else I wanted to get into. How much of the tracks are created by you you just putting samples together and how much of the tracks do you work with i know you worked with otitis on some projects Mm -hmm. and he did some of the production on the behind the scenes production and everything behind all that music but how much do you do so as far as the beats go um very probably slim to nothing i don't ever really touch the beats i used to produce i used to make beats that's actually how i kind of started like it all started with my grandma getting me a compact laptop and I downloaded his free version of FL Studio and I was making my own beats. I was trying to, you know, do my own thing because as a kid, as someone like a 14 year old, I couldn't really afford production. I couldn't really afford to go out and buy exclusive beats or even beat leases online just so I can make my rap career happen. So I had to learn to do it myself. With no music theory knowledge, with nothing like that, I had to go and make beats. But now, I don't really touch it. I focus more on the writing process, on the recording and the mixing and everything like that. More post-production than uh, pre-production. Got it, got it, got it. So, this actually gets to a really good point. I, What is your story? Like, from the very beginning, how did you get to where you are now with... your you're dropping albums, you're working with so many other talented rappers and music producers, mm-hmm. and you're going towards concerts, you're, you're getting really close to, I think, where you're hoping to be. I still have a little ways to go, but I appreciate that. Um, the story. 
my most fondest memories with hip hop were cruising down the main street of downtown San Jose, which is Santa Clara, with my mom. And she would be playing songs like Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott or Country Grammar by Nelly or um, Always On Time by Ashanti. So being around that environment, having those memories relating to those experiences that I had with my mom, just driving around San Jose, it kind of got ingrained in me, the the hip hop culture. And I just got curious. I was never a bad kid. I never had um, the type of struggles that most rappers have. But obviously, everyone has their own struggles in their life. And that kind of pushed me to want to embrace the art and use it for my own experiences. And I think that's what the beauty of any music is, really, is you get to express yourself in whatever form you, you choose to. And when was it? It was around sixth or seventh grade where I started getting hold of uh, Eminem songs. Uh, the real Slim Shady, um, Stan, Cleaning Out My Closet was actually a real prominent song, even though... My relationship with my mom was nothing like Eminem's and his mom, but for whatever reason, his style and the way that he used his pen was very interesting to me. And it's funny because I always tell this kind of little part of the story where my mom didn't even believe that I wanted to rap because of how quiet I was as a kid. I was like the definition of an introvert. Like I was so reserved, never really talked. To, I wasn't open to meeting new people. I was just like in my own, like I play video games or I listen to music or whatever. And I, one day I went up to my mom's like, mom, I want to rap. I want to do this. And this is like, Richard, you barely talk. <laughs> so it's like, it's funny to see where I've started so reserved and so quiet to where I am now, in, um, even in my social life. Like, it's it's funny to think about one of my favorite songs that I've ever made is called Solo. And it's talking about how some people can misconceive what an introvert is. It's like we're not depressed people. We're just reserved people. And we think a lot. So, I, I mean, honestly, I feel like that's kind of how it's gone up to this point. Do you think that you would be a completely different social human being <laughs> a different completely different socially than you are now without rap maybe yeah maybe because without i turn into a recluse sometimes when i want to sit down and write but at the same time the social interactions that i've had friendships possible relationships that have started over the years like that was all fuel for me actually wanting to stop take points reflect how do I write this in a song how do I express myself into a lesson for someone else to hear so I mean it's a it's a yes and no question maybe I would be different socially but the way I am now I, I wouldn't want to change it I really appreciate how you look at it as a positive. There's a lot of people that feel because they're introverted that they're not going to be able to do as well in the business world. They're not going to be able to reach their goals and dreams. And there's like a big misconception that you kind of highlighted that introverts are not equal to extroverts. But at the same time, you are highlighting, your career has highlighted that your introvers, introvertism, <laughs> that's a hard word to say, um, has allowed you to sit back and think about your interactions with other people and think about what this world needs, think about philosophy and other stuff like that, where I'm constantly just talking to people and learning from people. I'm just so extroverted that I'm always on the move and I'm not ever really thinking about life and philosophy and, and what people need. And so when I listen to your music, it's like you're doing some of the thinking for me. It gets me thinking, and so that's what I really appreciate. I was listening... Um, to your albums that I had mentioned earlier mm -hmm. on the way over here. And um, so I wanted to talk to you about what I saw were some of the most prominent songs that stuck out to me was My Bad, 
um, Murder, He Wrote, and the latest one is Fall Time. Okay. I want to know what you think. What do, what do you think your most prominent songs are, your most meaningful songs are? And I'm, I'm, I'm reaching for a lot right now, so it's a broad category, but you can decide to focus in on one of those. No, I was, I was actually, um, I, I told you I go through those periods where I go back and listen to my old songs. It's actually funny because two of my more prominent songs most people who know me as an artist don't even know them because it happened before I changed my stage name. I used to go by Young Saved, and I was primarily a Christian rapper. I still consider myself to be a Christian, but I don't give myself that label Christian rapper because I don't want people to get the... I, I, there, there's just a certain uh, connotation that comes with the label Christian. Like like you're going to be just preaching at them? Or? Yeah. Okay. And in my earlier works, I did. I, I did a lot of that. I referenced the Bible quite a bit, but I, I also feel like I did it in a way that a, a, a communicator should. Um, but nowadays, I just use my life as the framework for people to try and get to reflect on their own lives. And the project that I'm referring to that you probably haven't listened to yet is called Defects. Got a copy right here. Okay. Okay. So, I'm looking at it right now. Defects super, super cool cover. Is an EP, my first commercial project, seven songs that I put out back in 2017. And the period of my life that I was really going through at that point was I um I had actually separated from the church that I was going to at the time. I was going through a lot in my um my battle with my my faith and everything like that. I was looking at, you know, I was I was kind of doing the whole, a little bit of the blaming God thing for for what was going on in my life, and um, that the reflection on that period of my life brought about two of my more prominent songs called "Just a Memory" and "Don't Count Me Out," and "Just a Memory" is basically talking about how. How can I say this? It's like all this stuff that I invested my life into for the last 12 years. So I started going to church in like 2003. And then my whole life, I basically grew up in the church. I was eight years old at the time. And um, I grew up in the church. I was a youth leader when I was in high school. I was a junior high youth leader. Um when I graduated high school, instead of going directly to college, I spent six months in a ministry training program for my church in L.A. Um, radical evangelism, being on street corners with a microphone and, and sets and all that, um, doing that whole thing. I spent 12 years of my life doing that. And then all of a sudden, something happens and it just stops. It becomes just a memory and it was a lot to think about it, it was actually pretty heavy on my heart at the time and that song it it's kind of tough because it's a five and a half minute song but that is probably I, I just sit and think about it today I'm like how the hell did I just write something so profound in in like reflecting on my life. And the same thing goes for Don't Count Me Out because on the contrary side, I got this feeling of almost wasting my 12 years of my life doing that. But then I come to this recollection that it was for a reason, it was for a purpose. And if you're on the outside looking into my life, you've seen that I've fallen a little bit. You've seen that I've stumbled but don't count me out. Like, I'm not done. I'm not done with my life. This is actually just starting. So that's kind of me picking up the pieces and recreating and reforging the path that I'm now going to be on. And this was my last project under the name Young Saved and where Michael Elias was born. So those two are probably some of the more prominent songs in my career. And then to add a third one, I would probably say is Outlines. Because 
outlines who actually uh, that actually features Otitis that you mentioned earlier and was produced by Otitis. Uh, if that little tidbit of information need be disclosed, um, is another reflection point. Like since 2017 to 2021, what is that? Five, uh, six, no, four, four years. Yeah. Four years. Um, this is what I've done for the last four years. I have hung on or I have kept hold of these things that have shaped me and formed me from the first 12 years of me being in church. I haven't let go of the core principles that have built me as a person from then, but I have used those things to build myself as an artist and as a person to be where I am at this point. That's why in the chorus, I say, I give you the outlines. This is the path of my life. And I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to do it right. Mm. So I give you the outlines. Like, what are you going to do with yours? So those are probably the three most prominent songs in my career. Mm. Do you think that people need to listen to all of your albums to get the full picture? It seems like you have a very connected story and a very connected almost vision for each album each album is what you're doing in your life at that point in time and to understand how you got there people have to go back to your older albums they don't need to but if they want to know me more and if they want to be able to take full um grasp of the type of message that i'm putting out it's probably beneficial to um, because there is definitely some linearity to it. It is chronological um, because it's literally my memoirs. Like when I reach the pinnacle of my rap, of my music career or whatever I end up doing in life, I don't need to write a book of memoirs. You could just go back to my previous projects. They're all right there for everyone to see. I don't hold back. My brand is built off of transparency and honesty. I show my scars and tell the story behind each one for people to be able to look at theirs and kind of deal with the pain of the wounds as they happen, but also help those scars heal. Hmm. That's really, I didn't think we we're going to get to a point like this, this soon in the podcast episode. That's really, that's, uh, that makes what you're creating is not just music for entertainment purposes, it's art. And that Absolutely. takes it to a whole nother level. So I learned in one of my semesters of college, I took a communications one-on-one class. And they, the teacher explained that the goal of a, communication, a communicator is three things, to inform, to persuade, and to entertain. And I took that to heart. So with all of my music, you said that it's twofold to where you can, there's parts of me where you can turn up, which is true, because you got songs like Wake Up, you got songs like Lines, you got songs like West Coast Andy, all turn up songs, but they have a message behind them, right? And there are those emotional, more uh, thought-driven songs like From Here or solo or never over that also aim to persuade and inform because I'm informing you about my life, but I'm trying to persuade you of how it's going to apply to yours. So it's not twofold. It's actually trifold. You're definitely, when I see you in the music video, we were working on a music video when I've seen you in being involved in that project and I've seen some clips of you up on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, you really, you know how to present yourself really well. And that's not, that's not something that everyone has. That is natural talent that I'm sure you've worked on. Absolutely. But you control that stage. Something else that I noticed, you started doing social media stuff to try to get your stuff out there. And, um, 
your stage presence even shines through on social media. I, I can I can see it. This is crazy. And I'm not just I'm just not just hyping you up or whatever, no, like I, dropping I flattery on flattery. There's actually like there's actually a point to this. Yeah. Um, I want to know what transpired with there was a girl that was doing a social media thing on Instagram or TikTok, and she was like telling all these people jump on rap on this music and then i'm gonna pick one of you and then i'm gonna pick one of you to be involved in this song project and i went through and i like watched all of them Mm -hmm. and i saw that you were on there as well and i was like hey let's go and yours maybe i'm just a little bit biased but yours was by far and the main reason was because of your stage presence you knew exactly when to pause when when to take a breather on what you were what you were saying and you just everything just flowed it's not even i haven't even analyzed it well enough to understand you just naturally knew exactly when to do that it just felt right to you what happened what happened with that situation you never got like i remember i put a comment on there i said if if they don't choose michael elias then like they don't know what they're they don't know what they're about so a lot of a lot of times what happens with those things it is a popularity contest the artist is looking for someone whose fans is gonna you know they're trying to gain that features fans so the girl shy uh i I forgot her name um it was something like cheyenne something something other she put out the song and uh, and i'm sure she was trying to see who what feature was not only good, because obviously I was good. She responded. She commented on my TikTok. She was like, oh, I'll duet it. She never duetted it. One, because I guess my duets were off beforehand. But she commented like, hey, turn on your duet so I can uh, duet it and show my fans like what, what you did to my song. But it never happened. I commented. I'm like, oh, well, my duets are on now. Like, do it. Like, take it. And, you know, I didn't want to press the issue and I didn't, I didn't want to do it. Like, obviously, I, I liked what I did, but like I posted it on my Instagram, told everyone to tag her if they want me to win. So, unfortunately, I've kind of learned the hard way that my, and this isn't to discredit my fans, it's just they don't always show up and show out it's it's unfortunate i do appreciate everyone that listens to my stuff and supports me in any way that they can but unfortunately the music industry is a big popularity contest which is why you see a lot of mumble rappers being signed and given these huge deals is because they make music that you know people gravitate towards more because they like to party or whatever whereas someone with me someone who's like I don't know. It I'm I'm treading on some thin ice and I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it's it's just um it's a whole thing about popularity. Yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely I definitely do see that with popularity. But how what do you have a plan right now for trying to get yourself out there a little bit more? I I, I really think the social media stuff is really working. I keep on seeing more of your stuff more more often. I don't I'm not really a big social media person anymore, which is crazy. I've got a YouTube channel, I've got a podcast, and I'm like slowly dropping off of social media just because there's so much negativity. I'm glad there's people like you that are dropping positivity on there. But do you have a plan in place or goals set in place to try to get to a point where you have a big enough following that you can completely let your fans take everything away and and just do what you want to do, just make music. Currently, what I'm trying to do is, and this is a little unorthodox, actually, um, I'm training to become a mortgage lender, uh, believe it or not, because from what I'm told, there's good money in that line of work. And as of late, I've been nothing doing nothing but bartending jobs. Um, so I need something a little bit more substantial to be able to fund my dreams. Like, obviously, there are things like Patreon and, you know, crowdfunding websites that I could use, but I would rather not have to wait on people to respond to call to actions to go and take part in stuff like that and just do it myself. So that way, one, they come out more readily uh, for people to be able to consume, and two, just like, 
when I'm financially independent and I can fund my own stuff without having to worry about anyone else, it's just it just takes that much more pressure off of me to be able to create. Um, and it just, you know, my mind just becomes more at ease. So currently I'm doing the training to become that, to get into that line of work so I can fund uh, more music videos, more content to be created because I only have so much time. I'm a full-time student. I was uh, up until a couple of weeks ago working two jobs. Um, I took on the the mortgage lending training. Um, I, I'm being stretched thin is what it's come down to. And I need to move some pieces around to be able to um, promote and market more effectively because I feel like that's what's hurt me more. And why you've seen um, a lot more social media stuff is because I am trying to do that. But in order to break through the sea of noise that comes with from other artists or like my competitors or whatever you need to do it consistently and you need to do it well. And excellency is one thing that I've kind of prided myself on. I never liked to put out stuff before it was like peak quality, which is why I reached out to you and uh, like Abel Lambert to help me with the, the outlines music video or, you know, just other things that I've done in content creation wise, even with my music, I'm, I, I use a $700 microphone. I use, you know, plugins that cost me so much. I record on or I mix on professional studio monitors in my room. I'm going to school to learn how to mix, to learn how to use all the tools at my disposal. So my quality can stand up to the likes of Eminem, TI, NF, all these industry giants, because in order for me to do, like to take off from where i'm at it needs to be at that level yeah i think we're at a really good tipping point right now though where people like you are able to do that you're able to meet i mean it takes a lot of work you have to be working right now like what you're doing you were working two jobs and you were saving up for all this high quality equipment we're inside your room right now i didn't even mention that this is such a huge blessing to be able to be inside where the magic happens sitting down at your desk (laughs) the monitors are like right here and all the equipment is right here, and we're able to have a conversation about your passion while we're in the room where your passion actually comes to life, right. which is, like, really amazing for me. I'm I'm really excited. Thank you so much for allowing it to be here, Absolutely. and <laughs> it's um, really incredible. So it seems like you, your story is, a, is more powerful than just, oh, I just want to be a rapper it's so much more than that because you're showing people that if they have a dream, they just need to work for it. That's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was, there was a a life coach that I had on one of my last episodes of the podcast named Mauricio. Mm -hmm. And he told me about my podcast. He said, I have a dream for your podcast. He said, I want your podcast to be on the number one. I want yours to be way up there, you know, in the top 50 or whatever of the number one podcast out there in the world. And he said, the only way that doesn't happen is if you don't do the work. And it's so frustrating, but it's also amazing because every single time I'm like, I don't have time for this podcast. I don't have time to line up a podcast episode. That thing just rings back in my head. And I feel like your music does that for your audience. It, It says... You, you keep on telling people, if you have a dream, just work for it. And every single album that comes out, every single new song that comes out, I just see improvement and I see your same talent, but it, it's just played differently. It just feels different. Each one has a different touch. Even in your albums, each song has a different touch. Yeah. So. And like I said in the beginning, that's that rock that started off as just a block and everything is now getting sculpted. Let's get to your process then, because we kind of talked about your story, Mm -hmm. and I think something really important is to ask artists about their process, because other artists will be able to learn from that, and then people that aren't artists will be able to understand better of how much work goes into everything that you do. 
You know, it's very funny because inspiration strikes at the weirdest of times. Um, a song can take me anywhere from a couple months to a couple of hours. Inspiration, it, it, it happens one of a few ways. One, either I have a concept for a song and I need to look for a beat that matches that. Or I hear a beat. And I'm like, okay, I have this thing that I, I kind of want to talk about. So let's try and make that happen. Um, and I start with a topic of interest or whatever I want to talk about, like, say, relationships or um, being an introvert, like solo. Or maybe I just want to flex a little bit and I want to show my creative, lyrical type of person that I am and I just go off on a hype beat like lines lines is one of my favorite songs and that process was actually funny I I specifically remember how that song played out I heard a beat by this producer that's actually pretty big at the moment he had a beat store and funny enough um because you know producers nowadays they'll put pictures of artists of like Oh, it's this type beat, like uh, Logic type beat or J. Cole type beat or whatever. The picture of the person next to the beat that I used for lines was NF. Who is at the moment what some people consider to be a very lyrical rapper. Okay, so I hear the beat and I'm like, ooh, I there's something extraordinary that I can do with this. So I craft a little bit of the first verse. And it's funny because I you said that you noticed like there's times where I know where to pause and I know where to, you know, it's it the stage presence. That actually happened through me learning how to preach in church at a young age and through going through my communications class, refining that process, knowing how to speak to people. So in the same way, I figure out how the rhythms of my flows can go. It needs to start off slow sometimes, give the people a little bit of anticipation of what's to come next. And then I go a little bit faster and a little bit faster. And it just comes to this climax to where I'm just like going at it. Give them the, the small taste of that and then resolve. It's It's just music. It's just... That's actually life. You think about it. You start off as a kid. You have all these immature little moments of fun. And then you get into your teenage years. It's a little bit more so, more exciting, more anticipation. What job am I going to get? What? Who am I going to marry or, or who am I going to meet? Where am I going to go? And then you get into an adulthood and you start to realize some of the things that you were thinking about as a kid. And you get all the way up into like the middle age or are like 40, 50, 60 years old. And you start to realize that this is where your life has come. And that's just honestly a, another allegory, metaphor, whatever you want to call it, to the creative process. It's like you start off with something and then you just have to build from there. Like, I, I'm sorry, I'm taking this a little deeper than it probably needs to be for a creative process. But like, that's just how I see things all the time. That's the type of visionary that I am. You're creative. You're gonna. You're obviously gonna see it in that creative way, and it's a little bit different. I'm more of an analytical science thought. I do have a lot of creative. I I really enjoy film, and and I enjoy telling stories with film. So I do have a little bit of that creative side. I wish I had more on the music side, like you. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, sometime maybe uh, maybe we'll whip something up in the <laughs> in the studio. Who knows? Who knows? I always like to push myself, so that would be that'd be actually be really fun to just. Um, I was working with Abel on something like that, and we were just spending an afternoon just messing around and some kind of sound editing software that I had no clue how to use. <laughs> I don't think he knew how to use it either, so it was fine. But that's really interesting that you, as you were talking about it, you realized, oh, wait, this actually has a correlation with how we live life. Yeah. And I think that kind of is something that I really enjoy about having podcast episodes like this, where I talk with people and they figure out things 
that they didn't maybe connect before mm-hmm. while we're talking, which is really cool. We're going to talk about um, one of your new songs, sure. uh, your newest song, actually. We had Fall Time. Mm-hmm. I listened to that today, actually, for the first time. I'm a little bit behind. I was in school and everything. <laughs> Sorry. But what is that about? Fall Time. It's a double entendre. Um, it was my aim for Fall Time was I wanted it to be synonymous with the time of the year that, you know, for comparison's sake, you equate Christmas time and music. When you think about Christmas songs, what is one of the number one songs that you think about? Mariah's, Mariah Carey's song, right? You just hear, and it's funny because I've said this multiple times throughout the last few weeks. No, Mariah Carey can stay in hibernation for a couple more minutes. <laughs> like, I don't need to hear that song. And I don't think I have heard that song up until this point. I might need a knock on wood because that might have just jinxed myself. Oh, no, you're definitely going to, you're definitely going to hear it. Uh, I think Justin Bieber almost changed that though. Like, really? When, well, I mean, like, what what was it 10 years ago when mistletoe and i don't know he had some other famous christmas songs that really though i remember when i was a kid those were playing on repeat and i was like please someone stop it <laughs> yeah what um, do you, this is this is random i just broke off your explanation of fall time but um, what do you what do you think of justin bieber so i can respect what justin bieber does And I feel like I can respect a lot of people in the industry. I can respect what they do because they have they they're doing what they do for whatever reason they've crafted for themselves, much like I do what I do for the reason that I've crafted for myself or what I aim for my listeners to want to listen to. A lot of it is money driven, um, which is what I know his early career was all about with songs like Baby or um, the song with Jaden Smith, which I know was for the Karate Kid movie. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't have a lot to say about Justin. I really don't. Peaches was enjoyable. I, I like that song. It was, it was a catchy, nice little song. But is Justin Bieber someone I listen to on a daily basis? Not at all. No, no, no. No. Actually, other than Peaches, his song with the kid Leroy that just came out not too long ago, Stay, was actually mm. really good. Yeah, did you listen to his new album? I've never enjoyed no. any of Justin Bieber's stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. I've never you know, sat down and been like, mm, this, is, this is what I'd listen to. But his latest album had some pretty good messages in it and had some pretty good songs. Mm. And I was, I was kind of digging it. I've actually... I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself on the line here for all of you. Uh, I've been uh, I've been actually listening to his album off and on for the last like month. Like I probably listened to it like four times, like all the way through. Um, and I yeah, I really do enjoy it. So maybe I don't know. Maybe it's time to get back to fall time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So fall time, fall time, fall time. In the past, uh, I want to say since July. Um, well, okay, no, it's it's not even that recent. Um, so I was working a job, right? I've been at that job since, for about three years. And it's a job that I actually recently left. And uh, within the first couple months there, there was a coworker that I met who I won't name, um, who I started to like. And throughout the past couple of years, like she was unavailable. And uh, there was a point where she was available. And I tried to start talking to her just as a friend. And uh, but I mean, a little more than that, obviously throwing like the occasional flirting in there, whatever. And there was just a point where now recently around July, where the uh, talking point kind of I don't know, inspired me. Um, But unfortunately, with the situation, it didn't really happen. But it just brought about these feelings that I, you know, I wanted. I'd never really made relationship music or love songs, for lack of a better term. Like, I've never really... Until you listen to Justin Bieber. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Funny guy. Um, 
so I wanted to make one. I wanted to make one, and I went online. There was a producer that I I had uh, learned about. His name is Mr. Cruz. Uh, he had made this beat that I found in this beat store that I really liked, and it turned out to be the beat that we used for Fall Time. Um, very smooth, very... Um, but it also gave room for me to do what I needed to do on there. So I hit up my buddy Mario, uh, or Jay King, who's the feature on that song and we worked on it uh he wrote what he thought it was funny because and and i'm probably gonna end up putting out the videos to um what i'm talking about right now within the next month or so um i have video clips of us like being here in my room working on the song and i'm like okay we'll go home write to this and then we'll we'll come back and we'll start recording and the song happened in a matter of two days. Like wow. I, I finished my, well, aside from those two days, I finished my verse and then I recorded it. I sent it to Mario and he started working on his parts. And then he comes to my room or my studio, if you will, the first day that we meet up and he's, and I'm like, okay, well, what do you got for the chorus? He's like, oh, well, I have, I have this little thing written, like it, it's maybe a chorus, and he starts to sing it, and immediately, dude, that's the, that's the chorus, what are you talking about, <laughs> that's the hook, and it, it's the hook that you hear in the song, um, I can't wait for the summer, can't wait for the summer to end. I've been changing like the seasons. Keep, a, I'm not doing it justice right now, but you're good, you're good. It was a really <laughs> dope hook, yeah, to the beat. And I'm like, dude, no, we get on the mic, we're recording that. So we just record it, and then he writes his second verse. Uh, and then I we both write our pre choruses that you hear. So after the, the song structure is you got the intro, the hook comes in, my verse. The pre-chorus where you hear Mario for the uh, first time after me and then the actual hook. And then you get Mario's verse and then the second pre-chorus, which is where you hear me again um, with a more melodic tone. And then you got the chorus and then the outro. Um, But that song is honestly one of my favorites to date, mainly because of the quality and because of the, you know, I feel like of all my songs that if released by the right people would be able to stand up to some of the mainstream radio hits that you hear nowadays. That's so incredible that you said that because I was thinking that as I was listening to it today, I was like, I can't wait to, that's why on my notebook, I have like all the different things that I was going to write or talk to you. I wrote all those down that I was going to talk to you today in the podcast. And I have like, it circled and everything right here in my notebook. Mm -hmm. It's like, talk about fall time because I was listening to it and I was like, this is a new style. This is different than anything else that you've really created yet. And it really stands up to the radio hits. I was listening to it. And I was like, whoa, like you're going to put this against the weekend. You're going to put like all these artists out there. You could put this up against their music. And if it was handed to the right people, it would like you're saying, it would definitely make it. But here's the thing. I think it's already in the hands of the right people. And I don't know music like you do. But I think push this really hard with marketing next next summer, right when summer's ending. And I think it's going to go somewhere. Like I was listening to it. I was like, whoa, I've got to talk to him about this. And I think that's incredible that you had, is Mario? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, you had him just come over and he's like, I don't know about this. And you're like, yes, that's it. That that was the that's the stage presence that 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 knowledge about what is actually going to work and you you knew it and you saw it and you said no we're recording this right now we're not making any changes to it. this is it yeah. I think that's really awesome yeah it was fun it was really fun and you know people who follow me on my social medias if you don't mind me it's uh, at rmg underscore j u s t m e and Instagram uh, and YouTube Michael Elias Music. Um, they'll be able to see some of those clips pretty soon. I, I need to get to editing them. Um, but I have literally the clips of him doing his vocal takes of us messing around in the studio, doing stuff like, like it was fun. It was a fun process. I think that's really cool that you're going to drop that on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'd also say, do you have a Patreon? Not yet. I mean, yes, but it's not set up to where I want it to be set up. Yet. Okay. I would say... 
some of that behind the scenes stuff would be really cool to drop on a Patreon. Mm -hmm. If you started doing that as a habit, every single time you're creating something, you drop like a picture, just a picture of you guys in the studio on Instagram and on your main social medias. Mm -hmm. And then you say, go to Patreon, go support me on Patreon. If you want to see more work and you want to see that behind the scenes stuff, I think you should definitely drop it on Instagram. Yeah. But I think it'll be really cool if you could add that to a Patreon and have people actually support you to be able to see that behind the scenes, because I want to see that behind the scenes. So like, you know, that, that just, especially sitting here, I think people that listen to this podcast, they're going to realize there's so much more behind your music and they're going to want to actually support you and not only support you, they're going to want to see your process along the way. Yeah. And I appreciate that everyone who ends up listening to this episode, I appreciate you. Um, yeah, no, that's definitely something to take into into account. I'm I'm working on it as you know, it's a little step-by-step process. It's just like I'm working on trying to fund everything, trying to plan other stuff out. Um and I know you probably have this question planned out, but the stuff that I am currently working on Oh my it's, goodness. It's all part of a plan. Okay. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. So you are on me like <laughs> on it perfectly because i was just about to ask you what's coming next like what can you tell us about what's next honestly i can't tell you a whole lot um not because i don't want to but mainly because i'm kind of taking it day by day like there was a song that i just finished a couple days ago that i wasn't planning on being uh like big release for me but the more that i'm listening to it and the more that i'm thinking about the the concept of the song i actually want to make a music video for it and i want to do a, a like a with every single, even if it's not attached to a project, an artist should be uh, thinking about like some kind of campaign because you don't always hit it big like Russ releasing a song a week and having people just constantly jumping on the bandwagon because you're releasing music. There has to be some way to relate your content to the audience. And that's how people grasp and In marketing, it's called brand equity. It's how people perceive you as a product or your music as a product and relate it to their lives and how much they trust that product. So if they trust me as a communicator, if they trust what I say and I put into my songs, then that brand equity gets built and the fans become more genuine and more in quantity after the quality is built. So I'm... You know, the the next song, it, the tentative title is called Straightforward. Uh, I don't have a release date for it yet. I actually want to plan out the music video. Um, I actually need to do the music video for Fall Time first before all this. So, you know, it's getting taken day by day. Um, but I do have some stuff in the works, like singles mainly. No, No big projects just yet. I do have... A project in mind but i don't want to fully work on it at this time but it will come soon all right good to know <laughs> you can't tell us anything about um what your next album what you want to focus on you don't have to tell like i'm just prying at you <laughs> you don't have to tell the audience anything that you want to be a secret so with every project from okay the the four projects that I've put out so far, okay, you have Defects, the EP that I put out, my last um, bout or my last round of being young saved. You have the old me kind of transitioning and going into this like chrysalis of me as a person and turning into Michael Elias. And then you have uh, Sinner's Row, which is kind of an, an extension of Defects. It's funny because that title is related to... Uh, a slang term that we used in my church. I don't know if it's used anywhere else, but if you're looking at Sinner's Row, it's like the back row of the church where all the people who don't want to be there sit. <laughs> and it, it's funny to think of as a concept, but I took it seriously. I'm like, yeah. okay, this is where I'm at in life. Like, I kind of don't want to be here where I'm at right now. I'm sitting and I'm still listening to what's being taught to me. But at the same time, I'm kind of like thinking about my life in this moment and like where I want to go. So that's what Sinner's Row is about. Okay, so that's part two, the linearity of where where my career has gone so far. And then you look at uh, something to say. 
something to say it was definitely more of a collaborative effort because it was a collab project between me and Otitis, where you got the production being done by him and my boy Daisy, or Keith, uh, he lives out in San Diego. Um, those two did 99% of the production. You have one song that was produced by my boy Josh from San Jose um, called Something to You, uh, talking about how I want to, like me as a communicator, as a rapper, as someone like I want to be someone that you can relate to, someone that you can listen to and feel like you're talking to in your life. Um, so something to say was just like a bunch of different topics that me and Otitis sat down and kind of um, strategized to be able to like, okay, as artists, this is where we're at. We actually did a remix to Murder, He Wrote that starts out that project um, because the original was me and him. And that song actually kind of birthed something to say. So Murder, He Wrote inspired a remix that inspired an album. Um, which leads us to my more recent project that I dropped this year, Outlines. Outlines is a summary of where I've been at for the last five or so years. Um, from me moving from San Jose to Chico, living on my own, um, working, talking to girls, trying to get into a relationship, um, looking at my artistry and how it's grown up until this point, you have outlines. And then basically every one of these projects are points of reflection of where I've been at for the previous amount of years leading up to the release of the project. This next song or this next uh, project that I want to work on is a little bit more comprehensive of everything that I've released this far and I've had some songs that I wanted to put on it that I have actually worked on that are almost done that I haven't even recorded yet that have influenced okay for, long story short for instance there's a song on there called before I die um that I where I talk about like Okay, you knew these, some of you listening, like you may have known some of these different parts of me, but here's the whole picture. Like before I die, I want to be able to leave a comprehensive, like um, basically paper trail of where my life has been and the lessons that I've learned along the way. And that's what this Next, that's what I want this next next project to be is just more of that. Honestly, it's it's my like like I said earlier, it's kind of my brand. I'm like putting everything on my life for people to hear and take what they want to take out of it. Like, how can you learn from um how I was hurt and how it kind of changed the direction of my path? that pushed me to do more what hurt you in your life where you can realize okay this isn't the end but it's just a pivoting point of where it'll lead you to the road next or whatever road you take next right so that's kind of just where i'm heading to heading towards right now this is a follow-up question to your work that you're going to be continuing to do mm -hmm. what do you think is missing out there in the world of music it's not necessarily missing it just needs more of because with some of my influences in music and the mainstream especially i've heard some of it come out recently like a lot of it and what i feel like needed to be there so it's starting to come out and that's honesty and maturity you listen to the new single by J. Cole and Joyner Lucas called Your Heart. It's talking about how the actions of an F-boy can ruin a girl. You know what I mean? It's like someone who plays with girls' hearts like all the time is like, yeah, you ruined her. Joyner Lucas is the first person in the song and he talks about like, yeah, I did these things. Like he's owning up to all these things that he did that quote unquote is, you know, player ways or whatever. 
And then you have J. Cole coming in as like the older brother, like, yeah, you were that person. You kind of ruined her. But what are you going to do to change that? Or if you looking at or if you look at uh, G. Easy's newest album, These Things Happen Too, he talks about a, a lot about his mental instability, his addiction with drugs, his um, struggles with his relationship with Halsey and how he's kind of growing from those points like he's actually doing a lot what i've said i've done with for my projects he's stopping he's reflecting he's not making i've i've heard of geezy's music referred to as frat boy music which is you know neither here or there i I don't really care about those labels i enjoy geezy as an artist but in this new project he's doing what i've done he's stopping he's reflecting and he's giving his audience more authentic content to be able to learn from. And as a society, we have so much crap to deal with. And we have so much stuff in our personal lives to deal with. I've adapted the philosophy that we are now in an individualistic culture. And because of that, the sense of community is lost. So in order to rebuild that sense of community... We have to find how us as individuals fit into the broader spectrum, work on ourselves before we try and fit our piece into a puzzle. And that's what I think is missing. And that's what I aim to do in the music that I put out. How do you think that fits into our society with cancel culture and people trying to be honest and people coming together as a group and just shutting down that honesty. I think cancel culture is the, um, so I said just a second ago that, uh, the sense of community needs to be rebuilt. That is the wrongful sense of rebuilding of a community to, um, basically adapt this mob mentality to go after someone who doesn't. Cause if you think about it, that's what they did in the, the Salem witch trials, if, assuming whether or not the person was a witch or not, they just like it didn't fit with what that community saw. So you were burned at the stake. And that's what cancel culture is. Mm. It's not a sense of community. A sense of community accepts. A sense of community forgives. Obviously, there are some things that an individual can do that will wrong a a people as a whole or a person like murder like rape like stuff like that and yes stuff like that does need to be punished but for something like and i'm probably i may catch a little flack for saying this but something is um but in in i'm just gonna say it misgendering someone publicly like, or, you know, calling someone uh, a homophobic uh, so something or other. You're, you don't have to worry. Like, you don't have to worry about I'm not trying know, to audience. censor myself. Yeah, I'm yeah. just like, I'm trying to find the right words to say because yeah. I don't want to come off as seeming like I'm that person. But there are certain things that society is worrying about right now that are um, minuscule in the grander scheme of things. Is what I'm trying to say. We need to work on our individual selves. It, it, and it's one of those things. Some people may not uh, agree with me when I say this because of the source that I'm going to be quoting. But the Bible says, like, don't worry about the speck in someone else's eye until you worry about the log in yours. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't judge or condemn or take those matters into our own hands because we have our own imperfections. Yeah. So I think what you're saying, this is a really, I brought this up and I just dropped it on you, but I think what you're saying is instead of grouping together and trying to find out the people that are doing things wrong, we just need to start grouping together. We need to start grouping together and loving and accepting and teaching and opening up conversations that are difficult, difficult conversations where people can say, hey, this is what I believe. And someone else can say, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. And yet it's okay. We're, we're seeing on the internet, we're seeing social medias, uh, Facebook, 
um, Twitter is actually hold, one of those social medias that's actually holding out. And they're saying, no, we're not going to censor what people are saying. Mm-hmm. YouTube, a lot of ads are getting placed on videos that align with YouTube's ideas. And I'm not going to talk about, you know, whether those ideas are liberal or conservative or, you know, I'm not going to talk about democratic versus, you know, that, that just gets all kind of wishy. <laughs> um, and, and it really splits up the nation where we create two sides. We create Demo- Democrats and Republicans in the political system. Mm-hmm. And now we have two sides that are completely opposite where there's like great overlap. There's good human beings. Mm-hmm. They're on both sides. Yeah. And I think that's what you're saying is that we need to allow people to, to group together in a way that allows people to have those conversations. Well, that's more of step two of what I'm saying. Step one is looking at yourself and realizing how are you going to be able to benefit step two. Mm. So do you think people are afraid to, yeah. to look at themselves? No, absolutely. That's why you have something like a Karen. Because <laughs> they look at nothing but other people's imperfections because they don't want to look at their own. That is so funny. I've never thought about it that way. And that is so helpful to think about it that way. Well, I mean, I've I've heard a couple of times growing up that if you don't like someone, it's more likely because they exhibit a lot of what you have within yourself. Yeah. So there's not a lot of people that I'm not saying that there are a lot of things that I, I actually like about myself, but there are not very many people that I don't like. Mm-hmm. I know there's a double negative, but. There are not very many people that I have met that I have come into contact with that I don't like um, or at least or loathe or hold any grudges against. But I think it's also because you bring such a positive vibe to not every only situation. That, but because I introspect myself so much, I know I have my own imperfections and everything like that. Like I can't hold you accountable for what you're exhibiting to me because I, I can't imagine what I'm exhibiting to you. There's even another saying where I heard like, Pride is like bad breath. Everyone knows that you have it except you. Mm. So it's like you have to realize you have bad breath before you can hold someone else accountable and try and offer them gum. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's oh, and that's like another way to look at cancel culture. Cancel culture is I'm going to ignore all of my problems. Let's all band together, ignore all of our individual problems and focus on a problem that is a little bit easier to see. I think some churches do that as well. They say, well, we disagree with, I don't know, some big issue. And it's easier to look at that big issue because it pops up. I'm not going to worry about my deceitfulness. I'm not going to worry about my issues, my anger, all these issues. I'm going to focus on the problem that's easier to look at. So, And this is one of those things that I kind of learned around the time I was writing Sinner's Row. um, Because I was thinking about it and I'm like, that's where... Or even defects. Like, I named it defects because we as people are defective. Mm. We're not perfect. We are imperfect. So it was actually earlier on in my career that I realized that. And that's what's led me to create the music that I've made today. Mm. Like, wake up is an encouragement for people to go out and do their passions. Never over is trying to get people to realize that if you've been pained... If you've been hurt so much, it's it's not the end. It's just another pivoting point. There's other songs that I've written like like Free Rick, which is basically an encouragement to get out of your head. Rick Sanchez is this crazy character that has been placed in popular culture. He's a smart aleck. He's the smartest person in the world. He's powerful. He's this and that. It's okay to release some of that within yourself sometimes. As a creative person, that's what I was like. It was also kind of a double entendre to my name. My name's actually Richard. My middle names are Michael Elias. Um, but it, you know, it kind of went along the way. But it, again, it's just reinforcing these ideas that I've learned. And I'm trying to get people to see them. And that's what some of the more recent social media posts that I put up, like my TikToks. Um, There was one that I did for solo. There was one that I did for outlines. I'm like, I'm just explaining now because I feel like people need it to be explained um, what this stuff is about, what I'm doing. Yeah, I really enjoy those posts. 
So keep on posting those because <laughs> I watch them and I get a better picture mm-hmm. of what it, what you meant for it to say. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I'll listen to one of your songs, Outlines. It wasn't until that I worked on the project with Abel and you on creating the music video and Otitis that you started explaining this is this is what this is what all this means and yeah. I was like whoa <laughs> there's even more than what I saw at the beginning because I didn't know your story and that's the beautiful thing about rap is cuz it is poetry like there is so many more levels beneath what you're actually hearing in the song aside from emotions like you get things like double entendres similes uh, metaphors all these things wrapped into one, it's kind of hard for some people to get it the first time around. And it makes sense because, I mean, you're getting it so quickly. Yeah. It's it's kind of, I mean, it's another metaphor for life. Yeah. Life is happening so quickly and there's all these things we, we need to learn in this society and we need to keep up and then we worry, we start looking at everyone else and we're like, oh, they're so much farther ahead of me right now. Yeah. And sometimes we just got to pull back and just listen. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I really like that. <laughs> I really like that. Everything comes full circle. Everything comes full circle. So uh, again, where can people find all of your work? Um, music wise, wherever you listen to your streaming, wherever you stream music, Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, Deezer, um, Pandora, uh, Amazon Music, all a lot of retailers, YouTube Music. You can find my music videos on my YouTube channel, Mu- Michael Elias Music. Um, I have a SoundCloud, but I don't update it. Uh, you can just search up Michael Elias and you can find me there. Um, there are a couple of songs that I'm not able to release on the main platforms that are actually on there that are pretty cool too. Like uh, I did this remix to um, Plug Walk or Plug Plug Talk whatever and that was a pretty cool one to work on um anyways i digress instagram rmg underscore just me tiktok by the same handle uh twitter actually by the same handle um and i think that's it all right that i continually update anyways okay and then are you posting some of the ones that you can't post on spotify and pandora are you posting those on youtube is that Um, where so I can actually get away with it on Instagram. So I don't know if you remember, but I actually posted uh, one of my remixes to a G Easy song recently. I did it on my own little music video to it. Um, and that's because for copyright reasons, I can't upload it to uh, I can upload it to YouTube. It's just being demonetized. Um, but I can't upload it to Spotify, Apple Music or anything like that but I do post them on Instagram. I would say Instagram is the one that I update the most, where I post the most content. If I create something on TikTok, it gets cross-promoted to my Instagram. Um, So at RMG underscore just me. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you for having me. (laughs) I I just feel like blessed every single time I get to hear an artist and their story and what exactly their work means to them. So it's really awesome to be able to sit here in the room that you created all this.